0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Key Life Fellowship Men's Bible Study. Pastor Kirk Hall is continuing his expository teaching through the Roman Epistle. Our prayer is that God would use this time to help you continue to grow in your faith. Now let's open our Bibles as the Holy Spirit unveils God's truth to our hearts. You guys, open your Bibles up. We are in Romans chapter 14, and we left off with verse 4. Last week, I'm going to kind of bring you up to speed because this is the second part of multiple multiple part lesson. So, I'm going to bring you up to speed. Last week, we talked part one about avoiding the dangers of of disputable matters. We defined some terms and and I want to remind you of those things. Uh, When we see the word judgment in this context, it's not discernment because we are to discern and we are to spiritually perceive things. But it is talking about condemning unjustly. So when you see judgment, remember, we're not to condemn anyone uh, on an assumption or unjustly. We defined last week the difference between essentials of the faith and non-essentials. Primary, foundational issues, and those secondary, tertiary, non-essential issues that we come across in the Christian faith. We talked about basic conviction. We highlighted the weaker brother and the stronger brother. Remember last week, we didn't highlight the weaker brother to beat the weaker brother up and say, ooh, we look at you, you're weak. Nor did we highlight the the stronger brother to say, ooh, we look at you, you're strong. The whole point of that is to say, we are all at different places in our Christian walk. And God has a plan for each of us. And We learned those things. We covered last week um, when we looked at these keys or these steps in keeping Christian unity in the areas of non-essentials. Please know this. We're not talking about foundational truth. We're not talking about disagreeing about justification by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. We're going to fight for that. We're we're not going to uh, call that a non-essential. We're going to say that is foundational to the faith. We talked about those secondary things and we learned last week that we have to avoid division over non-essentials. We can't let the non-essentials of the faith Cause division between two brothers. Don't, don't let it happen, right? Your brother who has a tattoo in this room, he's not convicted about a tattoo. And we learned last week, there's no one in the scripture that says, thou shalt not have a tattoo, right? So we're not going to have division over that non-essential or secondary issue. We're going to learn how to do these things tonight. We talked about last week that we have to do these things, right? We learned avoid division over non-essentials in verse one, verses two and three. We talked about, uh, that we need to abstain from dishonor over non-essentials. That we need to just not bring dishonor on any brother over a non-essential issue. Um, then we saw ver- verse three, the second part. There we talked about accepting those who God accepts. We have to have that attitude. God accepts them in Christ. I got to accept them in Christ. Now maybe we're not at the same place in spiritual maturity, but guess what? All you mature people here today, the stronger brothers, you started somewhere. You know where you started? You started in infancy in Christ. And so we always have to keep that in mind. And then we saw, as we wrapped up last week in verse 4, that we have to acknowledge God's sovereign reign in the life of all believers. God's ultimately in control. It's not our place. None of you in here are sovereignly in control of anything. He is. So we learned that we must acknowledge that. Now, I told you this week that we're going to talk about the hows. How How do we put this in action? How do we make sure that this happens in our lives? Because you've been around the church long enough. You know this. Satan loves, he loves to cause division among the brethren. He loves to cause division in the body. And when he cannot divide us in the foundational things, right? We we get into the word, we get into good theology, we get into doctrine, and we're all fixed, right? We've been doing that. Paul has been teaching that all the way through Romans. Good theology, good doctrine. But he's letting us know there are some things that the enemy can still use It causes division in the body, and these things are not foundational to the faith. They are actually based on the personal conviction of the person who holds that conviction or who doesn't hold that conviction. Now, we're talking about religious conviction. Please remember that. What we had here in the Church of Rome, we had that that believer who was converted out of Judaism. Here's that believer converted out of Judaism. He was told his whole life, don't eat that kind of meat. We have that other convert there who was a pagan who was converted out of his Gentile Roman upbringing, he's eaten whatever he wanted to eat his whole life, right? In fact, he ate whatever he wanted to eat his whole life at an orgy. Remember we learned a few weeks ago, Paul had to tell the church, oh yeah, and don't have orgies. Because their culture had allowed these things to happen. Paul was saying don't do those things. But as for the Sabbath days, the eating of meats, whether that be interpreted as eating meats to idols or whether that be interpreted as eating meats that are forbidden um, in the Levitical law. He's telling us, if, if your brother who is a Gentile believer who is exercising his freedom in Christ and who was never bound for the law or by the law, if he wants to eat whatever meat he wants to eat, you Jewish converts don't have a bad attitude toward him. So, he told us last week, verses 1-4, through that this is what we need to do. We need to avoid the dangers that arise out of these disputable matters. He said that in verse 1. We'll read 1 all the way to where we're going to start tonight in 5. He said, "...accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? He he reminded us, They don't belong to you. They belong to God. To his own master he stands or falls. And I told you I love this part. And he will stand. Every brother in Christ, no matter where he is right now, he will stand in Christ. Christ. Why? Because Christ is going to make sure that he does. He's going to ultimately stand in Christ, not only in this lifetime, but for all eternity. So we pick up in verse five, and as we pick up in verse five, we're going to start moving into the okay. We are to avoid these disputable dangers and these dangers and these disputable matters. How are we going to do that? Verse five begins. He's talking about some days here. He says, "One man considers one day more sacred than another." We know He's talking about Sabbath days. He's talking about possible Passover feast and the feast of the Old Testament. We see many of those things mentioned in Scripture to which we will talk about some of them tonight. He says, one man considers one day more sacred than another man, and another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced. Y'all go ahead and underline that in your Bible. Fully convinced. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind underline the word own right in your own mind this is where conviction and conscience is going to take place in all believers in their own mind god did not remove your mind just because the holy spirit came to dwell inside of you he is renewing your mind as we have already learned in christ one man considers one one day more sacred than the other another man considers every day alike each one should be fully convinced in his own mind He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat, eats to the Lord. For he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, We belong to the Lord. Verse 9 is where we will stop tonight. He says, for this reason, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that He might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Now, in this we are going to see Paul begin to teach us the hows, the how-tos, how can we live in unity in the body of Christ when there's so many differences in conviction on non-essential matters, how can we get past those things, right? The first thing that he teaches us, and he uses again those days, those feasts, those festivals, and he shows us in verse 5, let's read that again so that we get it clearly, one man considers one day more sacred than another man, another man considers every day alike. Each should be fully convinced in his own mind. Here is the first and the most important thing in beginning this journey of keeping unity in the area of non-essentials. Watch this. Convictions must be respected. Convictions must be respected. He uses the example of the disputable matters involving, again, the Sabbath, the feast. Uh, For instance, is the Sabbath Saturday? Many of you have studied your Bible you would say, yes, Friday evening, it starts. That's Saturday in the Jewish time clock, and it starts then, right? Many of you would say something like this because there are brothers who believe like this. Well, Sunday is now the New Testament Sabbath, which I would disagree with you. I don't think Sunday is a Sabbath at all. I think that Sunday is a distinct separate day based on my own conscience and conviction, and I think it is what the New Testament calls the Lord's Day. This is where they celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. Can we still live in harmony though we disagree on those issues? Right? There are churches who they say we should observe the Lord's Supper every single time we meet. There are churches who say We should do it once a month. There are churches who say we should do it once a quarter. There are also churches who say we should do it once a year. Then there are churches that say we should do it whenever the Spirit leads us to observe the Lord's Supper. That's when we should do it. Now, let's ask this question. Who's right? They're all right. Because the Scripture does not say do this in any particular way. He just says when you do it, do it in remembrance of Christ. Right? So that's very clear. So we have some freedom there to decide how we're going to do that. Now, is the Lord's Supper essential? Yes. Is when we have the Lord's Supper essential or non-essential? Non-essential. Now, let's talk about the Sabbaths because you're using that day. When we talk about a Sabbath, should we take a day of rest? Yeah, if we look at the Sabbath and the reason for it biblically, the Lord even says, not for me. I really don't need to rest. In fact, Scripture tells us the Lord never sleeps nor does He slumber. But the Sabbath was not for God. The Sabbath was for man. He was allowing us a day of freedom from our work so that we could recuperate. Don't we all need that? Yeah, very important. I promise you this, what He doesn't want us to do, us New Testament believers in Christ, nor did He want the believers there at Rome to do this. He doesn't want us to become legalistic about things, especially non-essential things. So he says that some view one day as important, the other one says that's not really an important day. All days are, are the same. I need to be talking here about again the Passover feast. Right? There there are many people in the Christian world today who will actually go back and they'll re-grab the Passover and they'll they'll have a Shabbat meal on the Passover and they'll go through all all a uh, Seder meal excuse me on the Passover and they will go through all of the rituals at the Old Testament uh, says that they should go through. Now, we know that's part of the Hebrew Roots Movement and I'll tell you this, I don't agree with. I agree with Galatians, and I believe that we've been set free from those things, and those people will say this too. We do too, but we still want to go back and we want to exercise those things. And they do that with the heart, I believe this with all sincerity, to honor Christ. Well, here's my thing. I don't do it with a sincere heart to honor Christ. Because I say that Christ has set us free. He's fulfilled those things so that we don't have to do those things. They say we do those things because even Christ did those things. Now, here's the thing. Can I fellowship with that brother? Can I love that brother? Can we go to church together? Can we worship in a worship service together? Can we serve the Lord together? Can we evangelize together? Yeah, we don't disagree on any of those things. Those things are all foundational things. It's the non-essential thing. And He's telling us to be very careful about. So we have to understand this, that convictions must be respected. I have to respect your conviction. You have to respect my convictions in return. Now, understand these are personal convictions. These are not biblical convictions. As we talked about last week, if I can take you to the Bible and say, here's what the Word of God says, it's not a matter of personal conviction, then, is it? It's a matter of obedience to the truth of the Word of God. So, if you look at these secondary, these non essential issues, you have to be very careful. And in order to do that, convictions must be respected. There are opposing views in every church about non-essentials. There will be opposing views about non-essentials until Christ return. There has been since the beginning of the church. They were here in Rome. Uh, we had the Gentiles of Rome saying, those days aren't important to us. We never were Jewish. But we love Christ. And there were those who were saved out of Judaism. They were saying those days have always been important to us, but we love Christ. We're going to see at the end of this, what's the important thing? What I said at the end. They all love Christ. So he doesn't want us to split hairs that cause division. In order to do that, convictions must be respected. Convictions over non-essentials. Again, those disputable matters. Respect them and another brother. One brother says, I'm convicted about a glass of wine. Another brother says, I'm not convicted about a glass of wine. Here's the thing. Do you not fellowship with that brother? Of course you fellowship with that brother. Okay? There's nothing in Scripture that says, thou shalt not have a glass of wine. There's lots of things in Scripture that says be careful with it. Lots of things in Scripture that say drunkenness is a sin. Okay, we get to that point, we got a whole other ball of wax. We're talking about essential things. We're talking about biblical conviction based on personal conviction. As I told you, I'm a guy who chooses not to drink alcohol. I choose not to drink alcohol solely on personal conviction at all. Because I am in a position that I could cause, and we're going to see this come to fruition as we continue to look at this lesson, I could cause someone to stumble. Okay? So I recognize that. So I want to live my life, number one, for the Lord. But secondly, I want to live my life for that other brother so that I don't cause him to stumble. So I'm going to abstain from things even if I know that I am free to partake of those things. We're going to see that Paul is going to teach that lesson in the lessons to come. But we need to look at these convictions that people have over non-essentials, disputable matters. Um, And we need to be careful that we respect those things. When a person says, I'm convicted that I shouldn't eat pork. Again, don't invite them over for a BLT. Number one, that would be rude. And number two, we know you would just be mocking them because you don't agree with their conviction. Here's the thing, respect that. This person doesn't believe he should eat pork because he went back and he revisited the Old Testament law. I love when a Gentile tries to do that. It's like, it wasn't for you, dude. But they still do it, and they go back and they grab this, and they're dead set on it. Oh, said, said I can't eat pork. I'm not going to eat pork. Here's the deal. If they are, what did he say? If they are fully convinced, they're convicted of it. That's why I said that's an important statement. If they're fully convinced, it's not your job to talk them out of it, Right? It's your job to respect their convictions. I know it's hard sometimes, especially those of you who are brought up in church, you were brought up a certain way in church, hard to always respect other people's convictions and non-essential issues, but you must. And that's why I told you it's important that we distinguish essentials from non-essentials so that we don't disrespect someone in the area of a non-essential and their convictions that they may have. Uh, these are people who have convictions that are similar to ours. Um. Or maybe these are people who have convictions that are totally opposed to ours, right? Don't just hang with the guys who who they're they're pork eaters. They like eating forbidden meat. Don't just associate with the bacon eaters in the room, right? Because you guys have freedom in Christ, right? those other people, they're just in bondage to the law. Respect their conviction. Respect their conscience that they are fully convinced that they should not uh, partake of these things. Even though you were fully convinced, that's okay. So we have to get along in the area of conviction. And we get along in the area of conviction with respect. Colossians 2, verse 16, tells us this. It says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration, or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. We know this. We know in Colossians that Paul is teaching them. Don't be bound up by the things of the law. But here's the thing. He does not he does not then, by saying that, give you the door to look at the weaker brother and say, well, that weaker brother just needs to step it up and get in the game and come on and, and be as smart as me. Is that, is that going to edify the body of Christ? Is that going to encourage the body of Christ? What are you going to do? You're probably going to discourage that young brother in the faith. Right? that weaker brother in the situation. So we have to learn to show respect to our brothers, respect to their personal conviction on the secondary issues, on the non-essential matters. We have to love them even though we might disagree with them. But these small disagreements on the secondary and tertiary things are not worth dividing over. Now I'll tell you right now, I'll divide with somebody over the virgin birth. I will divide with somebody over the deity of Christ. I will divide with somebody over the Trinity. I will divide with somebody over the atoning substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I'll divide because, you know what? That reveals right then, they don't embrace those things. They're probably not truly believers. So I'll divide with them. Those are foundational things. I will stand on those things. I will live and I will die on those things. And on the secondary issues, I'm going to show, we all should show respect to the convictions of others. We move on in this text. Verse 6 tells us this. He says in verse 6, He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat, eats to the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he abstains, does so to the Lord, and gives thanks to God. The next thing I want you to see is this. First, we've seen we need to respect their convictions. Their convictions must be respected. Secondly, we must look at the facts. So We have to take consideration of the facts. So those the consideration of those facts must be regarded in this situation. What are the facts here? Here are the facts. He lays them out there for us. And He tells us. He says, you know what? That brother there in verse 6 who regards one day special, he doesn't for the Lord. He who eats meat, eats to the Lord. What is he you saying? Well, when I ate just a moment ago before we all gathered and we ate, we didn't actually inspect the meat to see if it was unclean or if it was kosher. We just ate it because we were hungry. But what we did do before we ate is we said thank You, God, for this food that has been prepared for us. We, we recognize that it comes from Your hand and we are thankful for that. What Paul is saying, he's saying this. Weaker, brother, what he's doing is unto the Lord. And, and the other brother who's eating meat, he's thanking God for it. He's doing that unto the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord for he gives thanks to God. And He who abstains does to so the Lord and gives thanks to God. He says, Lord, I, I'm thankful that I have been able to abstain from this meat because this person is fully convinced that the law says don't eat it. I'm thankful that I had the power to abstain from it. He thinks that he benefits from that. Here's the thing. He might. That's quite all right. But it is a matter of his personal conscience and his personal conviction. So we have to consider the facts in this situation. We are dealing with... Who are we dealing with here? Are we dealing with one believer, one non-believer? Are we dealing with two... Believers. One believer who is at one place in his life his walk with Christ. Another believer who's at another place in his life and has walked with Christ. We're dealing with those two believers. So remember that. In dealing with two believers, what we do in our life, both of us, both of these brothers that are used as an example here, both of them are determined to do what is right. The weak brother, he wants to do what's right. The strong brother, he wants to do what's right as well. They are both trying to do what's right. So both brothers are determined to do right. Both brothers in their own minds are doing right. How many disputes? How many church splits? How much chaos and division has been caused in the church over two brothers, both of them trying to do something for the Lord, one of them agreeing or disagreeing, with the other over the non-essentials and then just saying, well, forget it, man. I'm leaving. I'll start another church down the road, right? That's how these things happen. So We have to look at the facts. What are the facts? We're dealing with two brothers. Here's what I need to know. I need to know Mike Barrett, who's not personally convicted about some things that I'm personally convicted about. Let's use the the ever-popular glass of wine. Um, I don't want to drink a glass of wine. Because I know the danger that that has for me, and I know the past danger that it's had in my family. Mike Mike Barrett loves Jesus Christ. No doubt in my mind, he says, man, it helps my digestive system to drink a little wine for my stomach. Paul told Timothy to have a little wine for your stomach. Did he not say that? Yes, he did. Here's the thing. He says, I'm going to have a little wine. I'm going to drink a glass of wine. Every night before I go to bed, it helps helps me. My digestive system helps my health. My doctor told me to do it. He prescribed it, right? Maybe so. Heard it happen. Now, I have to take the, the facts into consideration here, don't I? That's what Paul's telling. Here's the facts. I know Mike Barrett. I know Mike Barrett loves the Lord. I, don't know, I know Mike Barrett is seeking the will of God. And I'm using him for example. I could use the example of many of you in this room. I know that you're desiring what Christ wants. So I can rest in that. I can rest in this. If God wants to convict Mike Barrett about his prescribed glass of wine before bedtime, God can handle that. I'm not going to let that cause division between two brothers in Christ. We're going to serve the Lord alongside of each other. We're going to, we're going to go out and we're going to tell people the Gospel of Jesus Christ and hope to see people saved. I'm not going to get caught up in all of the non-essentials that have caused so much damage, especially in the American church, For a long time. Why? Because we don't break down passages like this and we don't teach on them. We skirt over them. We give them an application where it doesn't belong. We don't talk about the facts. He's saying this, that I have to give consideration to the facts. And the fact is this, if you're my brother in Christ, that's enough for me. Here's the thing. If there's something in your life that I feel that you ought to be convicted of, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to trust that God's going to do that. Because you know what? You might have only been a Christian for two weeks. I don't know really where you are on this journey. So I look at the facts. Here's where he is on this journey. Perhaps he might get convicted of that later. Watch this. Perhaps I may get unconvicted of it later. Right? So we have to consider the facts. Both of these brothers are determined to do what's right. When you're dealing with situations where non-essentials, secondary issues come up, look at the brother who you're dealing with. Dirk and I may differ on non essentials. But do I know he loves Christ? Does he know I love Christ? You know what we're going to do? Hey, can we agree on the foundation? You believe grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone? You believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the gospel and there is no other way to the Father but by him. You believe that? We're on the same team. What does the enemy like to do? I can't get them to disagree on the main things. Let's get them to disagree on things that really don't matter. Right? Where I say, I like old dirt. He might love Jesus. I saw him with a big old chaw chewing tobacco in the back of his mouth the other day. Because you know, right? First Opinions 3.19 Thou shalt not chew chewing tobacco. So that's a non-essential, right? Now we could start breaking all the Scripture we know out of context if we want to, Right? But your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You just ate fried chicken before you came up here. So the thing is, when we look at those things, right? Can I, can I say this? I can say, yeah, you know, and we're going to get to this in this lesson when we, we go a few more verses. Could that potentially be a stumbling block in someone's life? Yeah, it could. And when Dirk's ready to hear that, he's going to hear that. He's going to hear that because we're going to read it in the Word of God here in a couple weeks. And when he's ready to hear that, and I mean hear that, hear that, not just hear it with his ears, the Spirit's going to, to convict him of all the things that he needs to be convicted of. But until then, if we can go grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we've talked about justification alone, through Christ, we've talked about the sovereignty of God in salvation, we've talked about all the things that are foundational, we've seen those things, Paul has laid those things out nicely for us, can we agree on those things? Yeah, let's not split hair over a can of Copenhagen. Now watch this. In the same sense, don't think that because I said that, you're now free to go dip Copenhagen. You have to be fully convinced where? In your own mind, right? Everybody was already ready to leave, go get Copenhagen, a bottle of wine. Eat some meat, sacrifice to an idol. That's definitely not what he's saying. I promise you this, he's not giving you justification to live outside of conviction. He is leaving room for personal conviction. You must be fully convinced in your own mind on these secondary, non essential issues. Both brothers definitely want to do what's right. Both brothers have a desire to please God. One is at one place in his spiritual life, the other is at another place. Now, how many people, how many people who were young in their faith left the church? Because someone ostracized them or looked down on them on a secondary issue that they were fully convinced of, that this young brother in Christ had not yet been fully convinced of, right? Or a young lady, she came in two weeks after she was saved and she came to church with a miniskirt and I let her know about it. I don't think that's the way that we handle that. I think that her whole life she's never been taught to dress modestly. How about we teach her to do that before we just kick her to the curb? Right? So we have to consider all those things. Consider the facts. These are both brothers. These are both brothers desiring to please the Lord. These are both brothers who want to do what's right in the eyes of God. One is at a different place. He's learned more. He's matured. He's grown. The other one, he's not grown so much. But he is, according to the Scripture, in Christ. We're going to see why as we look at the next thing. Both brothers wanting to do what's right toward God. So they differ in their views on non-essentials. They're both, watch this, not only wanting to do what's right with God, they're both right with God. They're both right with God. Verse 6, read it with me again. He says, He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Verse 7, pay attention to it. For none of us lives to himself alone. He's talking about none of us who? None of us Christians. Who's he talking to here? Who's he talking about? He's talking to the church about two brothers. One's the weaker brother, one's the stronger brother. He says, for none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. What is he saying? The Lord is always with us as believers. We, we give an account to Him. He's big enough to handle every area and every aspect of our lives. So both brothers doing what's right toward God though they differ in non-essentials, though they differ on secondary issues, both of them, watch this, are right with God. How do we know that? Because we can agree on the foundations. They're right with God because they were justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Remember, we covered that in Romans earlier. Because they differ on non-essential issues does not mean anything toward their salvation. They live to Christ. Both right in the eyes of God. Why are they right in the eyes of God? Because God has made them right through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We cover this doctrine over and over and over again. So, we move to the next thing. We've seen convictions must be respected. Consideration of the facts must be regarded. Then number three, pay attention to this one. Verse 8 and verse 9, we see Christ's lordship must be remembered. Here is the... Most important thing about this, we're talking about these two brothers, talking about the fact that they could possibly be in the danger of uh, division over non-essentials. We know Paul's using all of these illustrations hypothetically, because he, as we've seen through this entire epistle, he has a really good knack at anticipating the next rebuttal or the next thing that he needs to teach based on where they might be in their life. Of course. In those days where they didn't have instant communication, text message and cell phones, you had to do that when you wrote a letter or nothing would ever go anywhere, right? You had to anticipate a little bit. You had to think, well, they're going to ask me questions about this. I know the Jewish believers there are going to ask about this. The Gentile believers are going to ask about this. And before it becomes a big issue, I'm going to go ahead and clear it up for them with this one particular letter. And he says in verse 8, looking at Christ's lordship must be remembered. This is the kicker. This is the... One essential thing that we must see here tonight, verse eight says, "If we live, we live to the Lord." Remember, he's talking about believers. If we live, we live to the Lord. Who are the people who live to the Lord? Believers. Not an unbeliever in the world who lives to the Lord, is there? No, absolutely not. He cannot. And if we die, we die to the Lord, right? Don't we have hope in death as believers? Oh, we can look death in the eye. We can smile, we can, and we can wink because we know this. That's the beginning of eternity. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that we, or so excuse me, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Is Christ Lord of those of us who are in this room? Is he still Lord of those who have? fallen asleep in Christ and have gone on to be with Him ahead of us? Yeah! He's Lord of all of them. What is He saying here? Right? Because this can be rather confusing if we don't really look at this text. We read it. Oh, that's cool. He's Lord. It's easy to agree on in a group of a bunch of believers. Or I'm assuming that you're believers. That's why you're here tonight studying the Bible. Christ's Lordship must be remembered. This is the thing. When we see these... Remember, don't don't lose sight of the topic here. When we see these non-essentials, these secondary issues, Let's go back to the cross. Let's go back to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is telling us here the importance of this. He is telling us here that He is Lord of the weak brother and He's Lord of the strong brother. He's Lord of the brother who's alive. Those of you who still have a heartbeat in this room. And He's also Lord of the brothers who have already gone on. He's Lord of all the brethren. Please understand that they are where they are because He is Lord. The weak brother, the strong brother, the live brother, the dead brother. We know this that, that He's Lord. That's what Paul is saying. Why is this so so important? Why is this one doctrine or teaching in this text so important? Because He's showing us the importance of lordship, salvation. I know that just doesn't jump out to you there, but pay attention. We're going to read it again. I know there are many people, they want to get upset when you talk about this, the teaching of Lordship salvation, that Jesus is Lord or He's not Savior. There are many people who teach a false teaching. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. They say, well, Jesus was my Savior first and then I didn't really live for Him. And then 20 years later, I accepted Him as Lord. To to that I say to you, my dear friend, it doesn't work like that. Pay attention. He is talking about the importance of the Lordship of Christ in all of those who claim Christ's life. Weak brother, strong brother, live brother, dead brother. Look again in verse 8. See what he says. If we live, we live to the Lord. If who lives? The church. Who's he writing to? We can go all the way back to the first chapter, to the church at Rome, right? This is called putting it in its context, to the church at Rome. If we live, we live to the Lord. Why? Because the true church always lives to the Lord. Why? Because He is Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live, whether we die, we belong to the Lord. Watch 9 again for this very reason. Christ died and returned to life so that He might be the Lord. Watch this. Not your best friend. Not your good body. Not your faithful life partner. I've seen people say this at baptisms. "Your forever friend. No, Jesus Christ came to this earth and He died to be your Lord. He doesn't accept anything less And those of us who are in Christ and He is our Lord, whether we're strong, whether we're weak, whether we're alive, whether we're dead, the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our life is our only hope. Those who say, Jesus was my Savior for years, but it wasn't until I was 70 that I finally let Him be Lord. What year did you say that was again, sir? Seventy? You got saved when you were 70. Stop lying to people. Why? Because he's talking about every kind of brother. Is there any other brothers than Weak brother, strong brother, live brother, dead brother. Can you name one? No, he covers the gamut. Why does he cover the gamut here? He wants to re-emphasize the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the importance of that. Because he's setting the stage. If Christ is this person's Lord, we're going to see this Continue to play out when we get into part three. Christ is this person's Lord. He's in charge of his life. You're not. Because did you know that's what Lord means? He's now in charge of your life. So if we want Christian unity, despite our differences on our non-essentials, the main thing must always be the main thing. What is the main thing? Right? Is Christ Lord? Is He truly your Lord? Because if He's your Lord, Doug, we disagree on non-essentials, and He's my Lord, we're going to put those things aside. Why? Because our Lord, our Master, He prayed that we would be one as He and the Father are one. That we would be unified in oneness in Him. We can't let the non-essential things, secondary issues, right? I think Sabbath's on Saturday and you think Sabbath's on Sunday, so I'm not worshiping with you. That's sad. I eat crawfish. Well, I don't because the law forbids crawfish. Well, I'm not inviting you to my crawfish bowl and you can't come back to my Sunday school class. You see where this goes? But if we let the main thing be the main thing, what is the main thing? We remember Christ's Lordship. Christ's lordship must be remembered. Why? He is the Lord over the weaker brother, over the stronger brother, again, the live brother, the dead brother. He's Lord of all brothers, and if He's not your Lord, you're not my brother. If he's not your Lord, you're not a child of God. You're a child of Satan. and You're a child of sin. And You're an enemy to God. That's what Scripture says about those who are not of the brethren. But if you have been purchased by His blood, brought in through His sovereign will, He is Lord of your life, then guess what? That's crucial. Right? I'm kind of convicted that it's wrong what Dirk did to Michael Klein by taking his chair tonight. But are we going to be divided over that? No. We're going to say, you know what? Christ is Lord. Klein missed the week. He needed to be humble. Right? So we get past it. He's Lord of all living the dead. Paul even said this. Philippians 1.21, what did he say? We know it. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why? The Lordship of Jesus Christ doesn't change in either situation, does it? If I live, Christ is Lord. If I die, Christ is Lord. It really doesn't matter. Jesus just became a big deal as Lord in many of your lives. I can see the light bulbs going off. He's Lord, Lord over the weaker brother, Lord over the stronger brother, Lord over all believers throughout time, the visible, the invisible church, the church that was before, the church that is going on now, the church of tomorrow. They don't get into the church unless He's Lord. That's what Paul's saying. These brothers who who are potentially going to get it in a dispute, stop. What matters is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what really matters. So We must remember Christ's Lordship. That is the third. How? How do we do this? How do we negotiate through the rough waters of non-essentials? Remember, convictions must be respected. Look at your brother in Christ. Know that He is your brother. through the precious blood of Jesus Christ rescued for the glory of God. Know that. Go into every situation with that attitude. This is my brother. He's proved that he's my brother. Now, he's he's maybe at a different place than me and my walk. Maybe we don't see eye to eye on these things, but he is my brother. I'm going to respect his convictions. I'm going to teach him by doing that. Shouldn't a stronger brother do that? Teach the weaker brother to learn to respect other people's convictions as well? Convictions must be respected. Second, how consideration of the facts must be regarded. Look at the facts. Analyze the situation. Man. I know that brother loves Jesus. I'm being pretty stupid. I'm mad at him. I'm mad at him because he got an argument argument with me about mowing my grass on Sunday. He said I was breaking Sabbath. To him, you were. Right? He was convinced. He was fully convinced. right? Fully convinced enough to be mad at you. But is it worth it? You know what I'm going to do in that situation? My neighbor next door, he thinks I'm breaking the Sabbath by mowing on Sunday. He lets me know what irritates him. I consider the facts. Man, this guy loves Jesus. I think he's missing some things scripturally. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to park that mower on Sunday. Why? For him. I'm violating his conviction. He's getting upset about it. I'm going to park that lawnmower. We're going to see why that's important in weeks to come. I'm going to park the lawnmower. I'm going to mow on another day, right? Right? But all that that I have is Sunday. Wait, wait till he goes to sleep. Sun goes down, mow your grass, get your flashlight, go out there. You say, why would we ever do something like it? Seems like we're catering to him, right? Y'all go back to Romans chapter 12, where he set all this up. Verse 10. What does he say? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Who's he talking to? Believers, honor one another above yourselves. I'm going to consider the facts. I'm going to regard those facts when I'm dealing with this other brother in Christ. And then, the third thing on the hows. You're going to avoid the dangers and disputable matters. Christ's Lordship must be remembered. He's Lord of all those who blood has purchased. Don't forget that. Weaker brother, stronger brother, dead brother, alive brother, the brothers that are to come. Aren't you thankful for that? That He is truly Lord of all. So In this lesson, we have begun uh, to learn how to avoid the dangers of disputable matters, uh, the dangers of division caused by non-essentials in the body of Christ. We have to avoid these things at all costs. So I pray, and I ask that we would begin in our lives to implement these instructions uh, as we see them poured out in Scripture. I can guarantee you this. Part 2 is not the end of this. We will move into Part 3 next week. I know we are a little ahead of schedule on time, but that was intentional this week. Because these types of lessons bring up lots of questions. So I want to give opportunity to throw some questions out. Before we do that, we're going to pray. and Then we're going to have a question time. Lord, we love You and we thank You so much for Your Word and for guiding us in the truth. God, I pray that each of us would live as we have been fully convinced in our own minds to bring glory and honor to You. God, that we would not allow the dangerous divisions that creep in because of non-essentials in our lives, but that we would love our brother in spite of our disagreements over secondary things. And in doing this, we know that ultimately we will bring glory to You. And we will see to it that harmony and unity continues to exist in the body of Christ. We love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you have grown through the teaching of God's Word. If you would like to find out more information about Key Life Fellowship, visit our website, keylifefellowship.com, or you can email us at info at keylifefellowship.org. We would love for you to join us in person. Our men's Bible study meets every Thursday night at 7 p.m. here at the Key Life Fellowship Campus located in New Caney, Texas. Or feel free to join us at one of our Sunday worship services as well. As we conclude today's lesson, I will leave you with one reminder. Go out and be the light in a lost, dark world.